Welcome to another episode of Metal, Rock, and Whiskey. I'm Sailor, and this is going to be a weird night. This is my good eye. Do you hear a cow? A rooster says... Here is a pig. The devil says... Weird indeed, but for the listeners that might be new to this show and maybe don't realize that we're weird most of the time, we do typically compare two albums from one artist against each other. We discuss, argue, very unprofessionally debate the merits, and in the end, only one album or artist will reign supreme. And tonight, we are doing just that. You are correct, sir. And tonight... We will be discussing Soundgarden, and also we will be battling their two albums, Bad Motorfinger, against Super Unknown. Hell yeah, guys. This is going to be a little bittersweet, though, of course, due to the passing of Chris Cornell, but I'm still really excited to discuss this amazing band and their contribution to metal and rock in the late 80s and early 90s. But as is super important on this show, we do drink, and we drink often and a lot of it, and I'm sure most of you are wondering, what are we drinking tonight? I'm wondering the same thing, actually. I don't know what I'm drinking. Ed, what are you drinking? Completely (laughs) honest. Well, since you asked, tonight I am drinking a little product from Kentucky that I can't get here. Or I don't think anyone else can get it outside of Kentucky. Um, Heaven Hill Six Year Bourbon. Mm. The bottle and bond? No. The, <coughs> oh, the green label. Oh, it's the green label. Mm. Sorry. I, is the bottled and bond six year as well? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, this is the green label. I mean, you can um, get it outside of Kentucky. You just have to I mean, have somebody bring it. This is to you. a <laughs> a cinnamon a cinnamon bomb. I'm loving this. This is really good stuff and. Um, for the price point, it's it's really hard to be nine bucks, <laughs> something like that. I think I paid, might have paid twelve for it. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Hey. Yeah, that's that's a solid bottom shelfer. I'm drinking scotch tonight, you guys. But the reason why I say I don't know what I'm drinking is because I am traveling again. So I am recording live from Grant House Press, which is a historic farm in the Hudson Valley, New York. And um, I put together a little bit of scotch to bring to my host. And um, I was rushing and realized when I put it in the bottle, I didn't label it. And I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I've amassed, strangely, since last winter, I've amassed a huge scotch collection. And I honestly, through the chaos, I've been moving and I've been traveling and I don't remember what I put. I can't tell, honestly. I'm not that good yet. If it was bourbon, I I could probably tell you what it was, blind. But scotch, I'm not there yet. I just know it's very yummy. 
So here's some advice. Advice <laughs> advice to the listener. If if you're gonna set up a blind tasting, one person <laughs> needs to not be blind. <laughs> this is a good tip. Very good tip. <laughs> And, and I mean, blind and blind blind uh, blind refers to the fact that the people tasting it don't know what it is. It does not refer to closing your eyes while pouring. No, or while choosing. That's a I bad mean, idea. I, That's I'm, a dangerous. I can tell you what it's not from my collection. I can tell you it's definitely not a Glenfiddich. It's not a Balvany. Um, I did get a rather interesting collection of like medium shelf scotches when I taught my last class in Cambridge on scotch. And I have a feeling it's one of those because I wanted something really super light because it's so hot. It was so hot and humid today, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what it is. It's just tasty. (laughs) If you'd like to hire me for tastings, I'm available. (laughs) Alrighty then. Shall we move on? Let's. I'm not drinking anything. It's fine. That's what I mean. What are you drinking? Wanda Jake. Come on, Jake. I said, shall we move along? So what expression of Four Roses are you drinking tonight? You know what? What barrel pick are you drinking? Well, okay. I did actually have a pour of Four Roses earlier today. <laughs> but then but then I was sure to pour something else for the show. Just... So, but right. uh, this one actually might uh, might fall near and dear to uh, to Ed's heart. Actually, mm. um, <clears throat> I'm drinking a Rebel Yell ten year single barrel, uh, and this is it's it's rumored to be sourced from from Heaven Hill, and Ooh, nice. it quite possibly could just be ten year larceny. <laughs> oh, so, who knows? You've piqued my interest. <laughs> It's no, I, I love this stuff, and uh, you know, unfortunately, I have uh, you know, there's always that last little bit in a bottle, and, yeah. and I hate, I hate putting a bottle down oh, with, me too. with what looks like less than a glass worth, and so I just, I'll keep pouring, and um, yeah, I fill the entire glass, so <laughs> tonight's gonna be great. Oh shit! Here we go again. <laughs> More already, quality I've, entertainment. I've already bumped my alarm clock for an entire hour for in the morning already. <laughs> I will admit I may have had a couple of glasses of wine with dinner. We know how often I drink wine. I remember what happened the last time you came on the show Ooh, after drinking a that bunch of wine. That does not bode well. <laughs> you got smashed. It was only- <laughs> Because I was trying to drink the whole bottle. Remember, it was so gross. I think you did. Wasn't I doing it as like a par? We it was a parody, wasn't it? Um, was it our weird Weird Al show? Was it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I remember. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. But anyway, I'm, I'm good. It was only a couple of glasses. I'm fine. Well, first of all, first of all, before we go forward with Ed's amazing pairing. Our dude Matt is not with us tonight because he is um, actually audi- auditioning for Disney on Ice. He's going to be the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. I don't oh. know if you guys knew that he was a figure skater when he was a young chap, and um, he recently lost his. He told job. me hockey. He told me he played. He told me that that he played yeah, hockey. Right. Of course, that sounds more like oh. manly, you know. But he was a beast. figure thought, skater, actually. I thought oh. he was going for the part of Gaston. <clears throat> No, he's going to be the beast. 
Oh, yeah, okay. he's pretty psyched about it. Nice. So uh, this is his opening night, so of course he couldn't be with us. So we will uh, raise our glasses to Matt, to our buddy, and uh, he'll be back again next week. Now, so that's definitely Ed- not. That's definitely not what Ed and I were told. I'm sure, but real what? quick, quick, quick story on that. So you know, I just just got back from taking my family to Disney for a week. Yeah. And at uh, at at the Magic Kingdom. They have this like meet and greet with Belle from Beauty and the Beast, and um, you kind of go in this one room, and there's a storyteller in there, and they'll pick out, they'll have kids like volunteer for different parts of a story to act out, and uh, and my daughter, we've done, you know, we go to we go there every year, and so my daughter has gone through this before. Well, <clears throat> it'll be like one of those things where the storyteller's like, "Can all the kids give me your biggest roar?" And then, like whoever roars the loudest, they'll that person gets to be beast during the acting out of the story. So, my daughter, who's a total princess, she just roars above everybody. And I'm like, why did I'm thinking like my wife and I are like, why is she trying to be the beast? That's so not like her. Well, then the whole story goes through, and it occurs to us. That at the end of the story, Beast gets to dance with Belle and have her and have his, you know, his picture taken with Belle, you know, special. And so sure enough, she tells us afterwards, she's like, were you proud of me that I outsmarted the system? (laughs) She's like, oh, my God. She purposely she's seven years old and she tricked (laughs) the system because totally. she wanted to have a dance with Belle and have her picture taken with Belle at the end and, and be the star of the show. Nice. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, amazing. So everybody so everybody that follows, if, if you don't follow Matt on Instagram, you should. He's at uh, Whiskey Obsessor, Save the E. Save the and, E. Uh, so he's, in, uh, he's, he's moving to Florida. He's mentioned that on his Instagram. Um, and, you know, obviously with him moving, um, he's taking on a new job. And actually, I found out that, you know, I think I think we're finding. So Matt's already tried out for Men in Tights on Broadway, you mm-hmm. know, a few weeks ago when he missed that. the yep. show. Yep. <clears throat> now he's he's doing the Disney on Ice thing. Yep. But I also found out that uh, and maybe he's doing these both. Maybe he's just double gigging it. He's actually doing they have a, a running Scarface reenactment and Matt is trying out for the role of Tony Montaigne in like it's like a street fair reenactment of Scarface but there's but Scarface like, isn't real so how can it be a reenactment it's, it's, it's a musical a reenactment of the movie that yeah. makes sense yeah it's like a montage <laughs> with, with song and dance it's, and cocaine I guess yeah lots of cocaine yeah. happening yep. Say so, hello to my little friend. <laughs> so I was, I was really surprised at that. I, I never, mean, I didn't realize he kind they of did fits stuff the like part that. if you think about it. Yeah, I can see it. I yeah. can, I can see it. I can see him sitting behind the desk with a mountain of coke and his like white powder all over his face. Oh man, picking up a machine well, gun. Got the, uh, yeah, got the Italian last name going for him. <clears throat> Moving along. All right. Yeah. Do you have a whiskey pairing for us tonight?
All right. Well, for tonight, in order to pair with the Sound Garden, I selected a whiskey by Sound Spirits Distillery. Nuh-uh. See what I did there? Uh-huh. I like Let's it. See what you did. Clever. Indeed. You're a clever fella. Oh, but wait, it gets better. Sound Spirits Distillery, known Sell as Seattle's first distillery, oh, prohibition. Shut the front door. Their whiskey originates in the same city as and state as our band that hey. we are discussing tonight. You're so clever. All right. Look at you. How about that? Look at you. Now, having established the origins, on to the whiskey. Okay, this is kind of a mouthful. Madam Damnable Whiskey is a Washington grain-to-glass small-batch whiskey distilled twice in pot stills. It's aged in new 30-gallon number three char barrels for three years. Now, quoting from the distillery's website, the nose is gorgeous with caramel, vanilla, leather, and a hint of tobacco. I don't know why I went with an East Coast accent. Are you Betty Davis all hint of a sudden? Tobacco. You sound like Betty Davis. Soft- <laughs> the soft- Apparently, the people at Sound Spirits are expats from New England. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> New England? The soft mouth. That was not New England. That was like, what's her face from Sunset Boulevard? Mr. DeVille, like, I'm ready God. for my clothes. I, I thought it was like, I thought he sounded like, ah, oh, it's gorgeous. No, that's... No. Anyway, anyway. Continue. <laughs> continuing on. I told you this was going to be a weird night. Talk about the soft mouthfeel, giving it a silky <laughs> essence, dot, yada, yada, yada. And they do said. not chill filter. <laughs> Jacob! Anyway, on the palate, it sits <laughs> in between a bourbon with big oak and char and scotch, heathery highland malt. It's Ooh. rated by Seattle Spirit Society as the best Washington whiskey. Okay, so I have a question. And there you have it. Yeah. Is there a high malted barley content to this? Because that's a very strange statement to say it's situated between a bourbon. I can say seeing a rye and a scotch, but a bourbon and a scotch? That's bizarre. You know, I looked for a mash bill on the website and I could not find one. They are not disclosing that, at least on the website. Can so we maybe call sure exactly. them and ask them why? So I'm only asking because I've been delving into and doing a lot of research on American malts. It's like the next thing in whiskey. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not the only one looking into this. I mean, which is cool and that's great. And it was actually super common before it seems like a lot of craft distilleries are doing this well because it was actually the origin of american whiskey as well we had high high malted barley content in our original rise before bourbon even came along um and now we only use the like five to ten percent you know for fermentation but so american malts are coming back especially on the west coast and that's why i ask if it's got a high malted barley content because it seems like a lot of the american malts are coming out of the west um, or the far Midwest. Uh, so I'd be really curious because I think that's, to me, a very strange yeah. statement <clears throat> to say it's between a bourbon and a scotch. I don't understand what that means. That's the only thing my brain would go to. Yeah, I think they're they're saying on the palate it's, it's between a bourbon and a scotch. I would say. So which is, yeah, it's kind of weird. But so, weird. Uh, I'm, so obviously it's not a bourbon. It's a, it's a um, whiskey of some kind, uh, American it's not whiskey. Fi- but- well, how do we know it's not? Are they not calling it a bourbon? Did I miss No, that? they're not. They're calling it American whiskey? Yes. Interesting. Okay, so 
the tasting notes say, listen, listen to the tasting notes. This is weird. Nose is, this is from the whiskey wash, which I trust. Nose is rising rye bread with white pepper and hazelnut. Flavors of rye toast, moss, and black cardamom. Finish of modest peat smoke and caramel. So they're peat a- smoking something? <clears throat> that's not wow. you, you don't miss dollars for that. a bottle. That's not bad. That they're not. I mean, they're probably not peat Listen. smoking it. He's probably just making a a connection to. I don't know. You don't the, miss peat smoke. <clears throat> well, it might just be how he translates it. I don't know. That's weird to me. It's weird that they use that term. I don't know. The whole thing is. I'm just so intrigued by this. Well, at some point, we sh- we need to ask them to explain that definition a little bit better. I'll reach out to the guys from Whiskey Wash and I'll ask them if they remember. Yeah. Well, like for so for instance, you hear people say things like uh you get a tobacco note. Well, for me, I I, I chewed Copenhagen Long Cut for like 13 years. So for me, tobacco is something very different than somebody who smelled their grandpa's pipe tobacco and that's the memory that they get from tobacco or you know somebody else you know that smelled just you know basic ultra lights or something and they you know <clears throat> that that can be something totally different from person to oh, person yeah. but usually peat smoke is not the peat smoke is one of those things that's like it either is or it isn't you're not gonna you it, it's a very well, yeah. distinct <clears throat> I, I think that's I think the sometimes. only exception to that rule yeah you know? and and i would imagine they would have experience with other peated whiskeys. Exactly. That's which, why I'm saying I really don't think it would be. Do you think maybe they maybe they roast their malt or something like that and it gives it a similar smokiness? They're doing that, though, because they're growing West Coast peat now all of a sudden. Like this oh, is remember really? Matt. Matt and I said hmm. we wanted to talk about it, it was a while maybe ago. This section shouldn't be edited out. <laughs> we're actually well, this is a good conversation about whiskey. I want I want to talk I we I want to talk about Matt and I really want to talk about this on a future show because I I read an article recently and I po- I think I don't remember if it was Chuck Cowdery Well maybe who, if Matt wasn't trying out for the street performance know, of Scarface so we could be talking about this. I know. But American Mall is up and coming and not only are we using our more malted barley in our whiskey but also growing but this is all happening on the west coast and i called this like two years ago i said this is the next thing we're going to start making american whiskeys that are similar to scotch just like japanese whiskey why do you think japanese whiskey did so well because it's it's modeled after scotch we can't call it scotch but whatever so that's why i'm so intrigued by this expression that you chose ed because it plays right into what i have seen coming and now finally people are starting to talk about it so i'm just i'm so curious what their content of malted barley is and if they are in fact using peat smoke or are they using a flavoring because they can because it's not a bourbon so they can actually be using flavoring if they want to Oh, I actually see something here it, that wasn't mentioned in the description I read, but it is on the. I found the label. The label does say it's a single malt whiskey. Okay, so if it's single malt, then it's got to be a hundred percent malted barley. So, okay, now my question is flipped, but it's the same question. Where We're do the they rabbit get hole here, folks? The bourbon and <laughs> in between a bourbon and a scotch. What is in this that makes it taste like a bourbon? 
Well, I have heard well, you talk about... Well, is it aged in a oak barrel? Um, yes. Oh, well, it's aged in a barrel. A new barrel. They don't say oak. Specifically. But you said it was they a charred. It was a number char three, four. A new you barrel said a char four. with a number three char. Oh, I thought you said a char four. No, it's no, a number three char. I thought okay, you said here's, a char four. Here's either way, I mean, that's going to give you, you know, bourbon-esque flavoring right there. So that's what bourbon, that's the whole flavoring. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. So the TTB says, okay, it doesn't have a definition for an American single malt. It only has a definition for a generic malt whiskey classification. So, so a single malt whiskey is produced at a single distillery <clears throat> using malted barley as the only grain in the mash bill, right? Mm-hmm. That is what single malt whiskey is, no matter where it's produced. Right. However, since there isn't a TTB definition... Technically, you could call it a single malt, and there might be other grain in there. It's got to be 100% malted barley. So, fine, you charred an oak barrel, whoop de fucking do How does that give you a bourbon flavor? Well, I guess you just have to try it and see. But to the, person, mean, the person that described it got bourbon flavor. Yeah. That doesn't uh, mean everybody's going to get bourbon flavor. I, I'm so confused. <laughs> I I don't know. To me, a bourbon flavor is sweetness, caramel. Oh no! Well. Yes, vanilla. It, it's the, it's sweetness to it. Of course, it is. It's corn. Well, it's no. mostly distilled <clears throat> corn. Sure, but on, you're not but on say bourbons. On bourbons, yeah. On bourbon, sometimes you get uh, bitter chocolate and coffee, sure. roasted coffee. Sometimes, yeah. But that's not you get your charcoal upfront, and no. toothpaste, At- like Eagle Rare. Charcoal and toothpaste, <laughs> like Ed said. But the, that's not your defining quality of. A classification of bourbon. They're saying it's in. They're using a generic, a general term, saying it's in between a bourbon and a scotch, right? So you're upfront, like your your big body notes are not. It sounds like you need to uh, talk to. Maybe I should have left the guy a message and just said, "Can you call so. Sailor back and explain <laughs> what the hell you're talking about on your website, please?" <laughs> All right, that was well, that whiskey was a- talk. That was a great whiskey segment, Ed, that spiraled as we in Wonderland will do right down the rabbit hole. That's how it should be. And Absolutely. by the way, we are going to have a follow-up episode. Yeah, we're going to figure Matt, this out. Well, Matt and I already wanted to and planned to have a discussion about American malt whiskey. All right. Well, are we going to do any kind of timeline working into... Uh, into this excellent discussion of Soundgarden. Black hole sun, won't you come? Wash away the rain. Black hole sun, won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come? Alright, so I was a big fan of Soundgarden. I am a big fan. But I'm old and don't remember shit. So if, if anything, I'll do the timeline for myself. <laughs> so Soundgarden was formed in Seattle, Washington in 1984. They are often called a grunge band. They're also often called a rock band. They're also called a metal band. And they were called an alternative rock band. And they were called, did I already say a grunge rock band? Whatever. Yeah. They play rock. The end. Yeah. Although they are credited with being a part of the foundation of quote-unquote grunge rock, 
coming out of Seattle in the night or coming out of Seattle in the late eighties <laughs> and early nineties, they really didn't feel that they belonged in that grunge rock category. The band was formed by singer and drummer Chris Cornell, lead guitarist Chris Thale, bassist Hiro Yamamoto, and the band is actually named after an artwork installation that resides in Magnuson Park in Seattle. When the band first began, Chris Cornell sang and played drums. They quickly realized that Cornell should be focusing on just his vocals, and they hired so- Scott Sunquist so that Cornell, <laughs> like I said, could just focus on vocals. They hired Sasha Baron Cohen to play drums. Doing so well. So well. Very nice. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. A lot of the band's early exposure is really credited to one Seattle radio DJ, Jonathan Poneman. He heard them play out at a local venue, and after seeing them live, he commented, and this is a famous quote, this band was everything that rock music should be, end quote. So he offered to pay for the band to record an album, and then went to hook them up with the then-struggling sub-pop label. He would go on later to contribute financially to keep sub-pop afloat as they were just struggling as an underground label and turn them into a very large label and actually become a managing director of that label as well. So in 1987, sub-pop released Soundgarden's first EP, Screaming Life. Shortly after that, major labels were offering Soundgarden contracts. They chose to go with another independent label, though, that was a little bit bigger than Sub Pop and had a a bit better distribution, and they released their first full-length debut album, Ultra Mega OK, in 1988. Then in 1989, Soundgarden decided (coughs) to change labels yet again and release their next album, Bad Motor Finger, in 1990. The band then released their first... The band then released their first music video for the song Flower on MTV's 120 Minutes. It was a hit, and then in 1990, Soundgarden was nominated for a Grammy for Best Metal Performance. <laughs> okay. So J- Jethro Tull won an Emmy t- uh, Grammy yeah. too in yeah. metal. Yeah. So, so there you go. Whoever's deciding Grammys don't know what the fuck they're doing. So nope. because of this, this sounds like metal music. <laughs> this is fast and loud. It's metal. <laughs> So the expectation, so because Bad Motor Finger did so well as they're, you know, coming out of the gates, it was such a success. Um, The expectation that their next album would be a massive hit, however, sadly, didn't really work out when it was finally released because Nirvana released Nevermind in the same month. And many music historians feel that had Nirvana not released that album in the same month, Soundgarden's whole success would have played out very differently. They were completely eclipsed by Nirvana. So then Soundgarden released the song Jesus Christ Pose as their first single from Bad Motor Finger and and a video corresponding. And MTV actually banned the video pretty quickly. It was seen as an anti-Christian song, which of course was not true. This posed a huge PR issue for the band, and they even received death threats all over the world as they toured. Stupid. So Soundgarden then opened for Guns N' Roses on their North American tour in 1991 and in also 1992. And they also graced the Lollapalooza stage in 1992. It's a pretty, it's a pretty giant tour. And um, Lollapalooza stage was a huge thing to play as an emerging band. 
Um, so then in 1992 as well, Soundgarden appeared in the hit movie, Singles. Their song, Birth Ritual, was on the soundtrack, as well as Cornell's solo song, Seasons. I loved that movie. Anyway, um, and then in 1994, the band released their next album, Super Unknown. This album became the band's best-selling album of all time. It debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 album chart. This album also had major hit singles like Black Hole Sun, Spoon Man, My Wave, and of course, Fell on Black Daves. The band received two Grammys for Black Hole Sun and several MTV Music Awards and a ton of other music award accolades. It's safe to say that this album put Soundgarden on the map and brought them into the mainstream. So after an extensive world tour to to promote Super Unknown, they began Down on the Upside, which was released in 1996. However, this album was a very different sound than any of the albums they had done previously. It was less heavy and less grunge. As they said, the album received great reviews, but sales were nowhere near what Super Unknown did. And it seems that the time of writing for this album, the band just didn't agree on the direction musically. Tensions were really high, and some feel that you can hear that in the album. So the tensions, the high tensions continued after the release um, during their supporting world tour. And by 1997, the band had called it quits. Then again, we'll fast forward to 2010 and the band released Telephantasm, a compilation album that contained an unreleased track from Bad Motorfinger, and the band reunited at this time. And then in February of 2011, Soundgarden announced that they had started recording an album. They had made several appearances that year and then released King Animal in September of 2012. Then in 2014, Soundgarden embarked on a world tour with Nine Inch Nails and released a three- three CD compilation box called Echo of Miles. A couple years later, the band announced that they had returned to the studio. This was in 2016 and were actually working on new material. In July of that year, they stated they had six solid tunes already recorded and they were really excited about finishing up the full album. Unfortunately though, this album would never be completed as Chris Cornell died less than a year later. And that is a little bit of history on Soundgarden. What do you think, guys? So I'm just going to come on and say that uh, <clears throat> I know we're battling Bad Motor Finger and Super Unknown tonight, but um, by just the hair on its chinny-chin-chin, Down on the Upside is actually my favorite. Um, really? Um, Soundgarden album. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I, it's funny because listening to how other people had described that album within their catalog and everything, I actually, I, I like, I like the tension that you can feel in those songs. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's palatable, the yeah. tension there. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I think that's probably my favorite album. And, and actually Matt and I had talked about that and, uh, he actually really likes that album too. I mean, not yeah, I'm not too familiar with that album personally. It's a, it's a it's a great album. I don't. I mean, I know it didn't get the praise that Super Unknown and Bad Motorfinger did, but uh, I mean, it's got it's got smash singles on it, and it's it's. I think maybe maybe. What was their biggest hit off that album? Uh, well, I mean, it starts right off the bat with Pretty Noose, um, which was a huge hit. Uh, Blow up the outside world. 
Okay, uh, that one I recognize. One of their yeah. biggest hits, "Burden in My Hand," yeah, is on okay. that album. All right, gotcha. <clears throat> I mean, I think I think probably where it falls flat is that um, the non-hit songs on this album kind of are meh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if you were to take their best fifteen to twenty songs and put them on one album, it would stand up. You know, right up at the top, especially in, sure. in especially in this, um, you know, for this time frame of music and the that kind of Seattle grunge style and rock music, they were they were as good as anybody when it came to the hits. I just I, I don't know. I think I get a little bit bored with some of their filler filler songs on albums. Well, historically, I've been you know mostly familiar with just their hit songs off of you know these two albums we're discussing tonight but speaking more specifically about bad motor finger yeah um i know even the not the non-hit songs on this album i do find interesting um and not meh like you were referring to the other ones on uh, uh down on the upside um but the first two songs i mean right right out of the gate this album yeah um <laughs> Rusty Cage and Outshined. Oh, two awesome I think songs. those are probably They're my two favorite best songs they've ever sound so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, good. Yeah. Um and you know the listening to these songs always takes me back. Uh Jake, you may you may remember this. There was a game called Road Rash. Oh yeah. On the PlayStation back Heck in the day. Yeah. And these two songs were like what opened up <laughs> yeah. the, the game. And it's like every time I hear these songs, my mind just you know takes a trip back to uh you know, to eighteen-year-old Ed, you know, <laughs> sitting on his his couch playing playing Road Rash or whatever. But yeah, was that game um, out when you were eighteen? Uh, I might have been a little, or it might have been at college or something <laughs> like that. But anyway, maybe twenty-two or twenty-three, probably more like it. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's. Uh, um, oh, and Jesus Christ Pose. That's the first time I'd heard this, uh, that song. And the, I just remember the cu- guitar riffs on that song were awesome. Um, and some of these songs on here, you know, were interesting. It made me think Sid Barrett and the original Pink Floyd. Um, like the s- searching with my good eye closed, not just the name of the song, mm-hmm. which is kind of, you know, it sounds very Sid Barrett. Uh, like title but also it starts out with different sounds you know like animal noises and whatever it's kind of explorative yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also um the fact that they also included um like a brass instruments on the the song drawing flies Mm -hmm. and also there's a there's a song another pretty decent song room a thousand years wide where they included a saxophone at the end which seems kind of out there for what you would think of a soundgarden song and you know being but if it was a sid barrett song it would be like room a thousand years wide two streets east of the the blue door yeah right on mars after it broke from the universe and went to another galaxy yeah (laughs) So the first time I ever heard my first exposure to Soundgarden was actually um, from uh, Louder Than Love in 1989. I was actually, one of my, my girlfriends, we were sitting, we were spending the night at my house and we were watching Headbangers Ball. 
And um, I never missed a Headbangers Ball. If I was going to be out somewhere, I recorded it back on VHS tapes. This is where you would learn about a lot of music back then. And um, I remember the band came on and I was just like, what? Who are these guys? This is amazing. It was such a heavy sound at the time, especially when like I, I listened. It's so funny because as I was writing this note, thinking about the first time I had heard of Soundgarden, I went back and listened to some other stuff that was played on Headbangers Ball in the same year. And a lot of the metal at the time was very tinny. Um, it was such a deep... I don't want to say the word deep, but like a heavier sound. I don't know how to describe it. I'm, I'm not well articulating myself tonight, but anyway. Um, and I thought, just thought his voice was incredible. And I wrote down the name Soundgarden. And um, we had, uh, we were stealing airplane bottles of booze from my grandfather's cabinet and um, sneaking, <laughs> sneaking a little bit of uh, who knows what the hell we were drinking at the time. And so the next day, I forgot all about writing it down, and I found this my blind, note. This whole blind drinking thing is really becoming a theme for you during this. It show. wasn't blind. I don't. I just don't remember. <laughs> it was a million years ago. Um, and I'm. I look at my note, and I'm like, "What's a sound garden?" And I'll be totally honest. At first, I was like, "Did I just make up that word that it's like a garden of sound?" Because we were listening to awesome metal. I'm a genius. And then a day went by and looked at it again. I'm like, Oh shit, that was the name of the band. So I immediately rushed out and bought the EP and totally fell in love with them. Uh, so when bad motor finger came out, I was just, of course, I mean, of course, just so impressed with it. And I was, I was hooked on them. I was a fan. Um, to me, super unknown. And I guess this is a theme with me. It's just, different it's very i don't know it's there's i mean don't get me wrong there's some amazing songs on there but it's not like the first two albums it's not it's it's not the band that i originally fell in love with Hmm. um Mm -hmm. i i i i just i love everything on bad motor finger and i just think the whole album from start to finish is just freaking fantastic um, so I, I just kind of felt like I saw them changing. Like I heard the change in super unknown. And then of course, after super unknown down on the upside to, to me, like you look at even bad motor finger louder than love. And you put that up against down on the upside, two very different sounds. They had evolved uh, clearly into what they wanted to, but, um, yeah, I, I just bad motor finger for me, that's, that's their best album. Yeah. Going, speaking of super unknown, um, I think you and I are kind of thinking along the same lines here, sailor. Um, when I came into this album battle, um, I was thinking, you know, super unknown was the album I knew best. And so I was thinking that's probably the way I would go. And super unknown has a lot of great songs that I like on spoon man. Um, the day I tried to live, Black Hole Sun, um, My Wave, um, a lot of good songs. But again, there are songs I like, but not that I I, I don't really love. 
the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, the overall, a lot of the songs are a little slower paced. Yeah. Um, not all of them, but you Most know, like Black Hole Sun. Yeah. Um, is a perfect fell on black days. Yep. Um, you know, it's the whole album just has a much different vibe than Bad Motor Finger. Right. Um, exactly. So yeah, I I'm with you. I think Bad Motor Finger is would be my number one choice. And you know, given songs, I wouldn't want to live without Rusty Cajun Outshined. <sighs> Those are definitely ones yeah. I would never want to live without those uh, song garden songs. And, okay. so, you know, wait, so we talked to Matt and um, even though he couldn't be on the show, he told us what his pick would be. <clears throat> so that's, it's going to put us in a little bit of a conundrum. So would you guys like to take a break or continue with? I haven't even expressed anything about super unknown yet okay so. <laughs> then let's take let's take a break for let's a take second. a pp yeah pee-pee break pee break right. and then we'll come back and you can talk about um, sailors sailors rocking like she's like she's trying to hold it in I gotta um <laughs> you can talk about super unknown and then we'll let matt weigh in and then we will see where we land sounds, sounds good? like a plan awesome All see right. you in a minute And we're back. Yes, we are. I think. I think. Are we back? We're back. You back? Uh, I'm back. I'm back. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. Sailor. All right, we're all back. So right before the break, uh, it occurred to me that um, that I had only actually mentioned anything about an album that we're not voting on tonight. So yeah. Good job, Jake. Way to <laughs> way to be way to be on task. Yeah, way to be a professional. <clears throat> so how about those albums we're battling? <laughs> So I kind of mentioned, so Bad Motor Finger for me, right off the bat, Rusty Cage, Outshined, awesome. They would be, like I said, they'd be on the greatest hits. They're amazing. The rest of the album, though, doesn't do a ton for me. <clears throat> I get, I start to get a little bit bored there. Super Unknown, however, um, love the hits on it. Obviously, Fell on Black Days, My Wave, awesome, awesome. Um, Black Hole Sun and Spoon Man, both, uh, you know, at the time where I was growing up and watching MTV, Black Hole Sun and Spoon Man both had just incredibly iconic music videos. Um, mm-hmm. Music videos to me that, I mean, I can still picture in my head, I don't know whether this is a positive or negative, whether it scarred me or... It influenced me, but I can still like see the like warped faces of the people in Black Hole Sun. I I just thought that was the coolest thing ever when I saw that. Because <laughs> uh, um, I was what nineteen ninety four ish, right? Ninety four. <clears throat> so I was in I was in junior high, sixth seventh grade, nineteen ninety four, and and I just I thought that was you know for a what like 12 13 year old boy to see a music video where people's faces are getting warped that's like the <laughs> coolest thing ever <laughs> um but i i love the 
love the songs on that album. I think the filler songs I liked a little bit better. I, I think as we discussed, um, there's a, a constant progression with this band from album to album. And I think if you, if you dislike, if you disc, if you dislike <laughs> the, <laughs> the progression that they're taking from album to album, you you probably think, well, they just changed. They're losing it, whatever. For me, I think that with each album, the band got better and better and better. And even we haven't even talked at all about, um, and I'm sure in a future episode, maybe a Chris Cornell episode or whatever, we'll talk about Audio Slave. But um, I mean, Chris Cornell to me is is you know on a on a real short list of the greatest lead vocalists of all time, you know, in the rock genre. And uh, I feel like he just got better and better with each album. Um, so for me, with these two albums, Super Unknown is is gonna take the cake um like i said because it, it it continues to progress and into down in the upside which which is my favorite song garden album so <clears throat> so my vote is for super unknown sailor your vote was for bad motor finger yep. ed your yeah, vote was, was also bad, bad motor, finger. motor finger and what was yep. matt's so how about matt matt also <laughs> went with super unknown Oh, oh, so after, quite the conundrum. Yeah, after much debate, he, he had a rough time with it. Um, but in <laughs> the end, I think it was one song that pushed him over the edge to go with Super Unknown. So... Yeah, he, that, he and I talked, he and I talked, and, and we both uh, really, we both really had a, a love for the, the songs on Down on the Upside. I think I think Matt yeah. and I both really appreciated the the album-to-album progression uh, of uh, of Soundgarden, and so it sounds like uh, it sounds like the Facebook oh, man. group yeah, is going to have to decide this one. We're going to have to leave this up to our Facebook group. We're going to reach out to our Instagram community, and we are going to poll everyone yes. once this show is released, and we will decide based on the majority uh, which album we go with, and we will announce that in our Facebook group on our Instagram page, and then again on a following episode and see where we land. Um, <clears throat> one thing that I definitely want to mention, I don't want to leave this show without talking about Chris himself. Um, mm-hmm. We will be talking about Chris's solo career and who he was as an artist and his personal um, contribution to American music. But um in a future episode, but it would be strange not to mention um, what an epic talent he was and what an incredible musician he was, what an incredible songwriter he was. Um, Just a stellar musician. And it's a, it's just a damn shame that he passed away so young. And so tragically, um, I think we are the worst for it. Um, I can only imagine what we would have gotten from him as the years progressed since he was so young, he still had so much more music left in him. So I definitely wanted to say, um, rock out rather than resting Chris and, um, super, super sad. But, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a damn shame. I hate it. As we've mentioned before, you know, this, um, hopefully, hopefully episode to episode, um, 
our, our listeners see improvement. But one of our very first episodes that we ever recorded was actually um, a dearly departed. And, and Chris Cornell was featured on that episode. And unfortunately, we had major audio issues with that episode. And so we want to make sure that, you know, we, we want to put out, especially on an episode like that, we want to make sure we put out something that's, that's, uh, that's a good representation of how we truly feel about that artist. So we're yes. definitely not going to just throw out garbage audio um, into the ether. But And sadly, like the longer we wait, we're losing even more of them. And it's like, just can everybody just stop dying for a minute, please? Sure. So That's that the crazy thing up, about humanity is we die. I don't like it. Yep. <laughs> Death <laughs> is a part of life. What it's are kind you of... even talking about? <laughs> Death and well, taxes. <clears throat> Two things you we would be on. remiss <laughs> if we didn't address the fact that I believe our last album battle, we were left in a similar situation. Do you mm. remember? Where I we? believe it was Dark Side of the Moon and The Wall where we had the similar That's voting. Right. That's Sailor right. and I That's right. both voted for Dark you Side of the Moon. And, and Matt and I were Wallers. Jake and Matt. Both were for the wall, <laughs> and we left that up to our Facebook group, and we have results. And what, what is that result? What are that? the results? And our, group, our listeners have spoken, and they have agreed <laughs> with Sailor and myself. Dark side of the moon yes. reigns supreme. Our, yeah. yeah our listeners don't know what the hell they're talking about. Our listeners are the <laughs> smartest, most awesome listeners ever. Of course. They are wow. amazing. <clears throat> And, and I know they'll vote for Bad Motor Finger in this next album. Battle. I agree. Yeah, because they, I have, I mean, they're proving that I have epic taste. So you know. <laughs> all right. I feel like so. Just I feel uh, like maybe Sailor so just that note, to all the people in the Facebook group. What are you even talking about? <laughs> I don't even know half of the people in our group. Like I don't. What I'm not paying them with whiskey samples. What? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Either way, if whatever samples they get, they don't know what they are. Because <laughs> you didn't label them. <laughs> this is Sailor's Blind Tasting. She doesn't even know what it is. Take a wild guess, kids. Um, that's the only time I've ever done that. And it was just because it was in a rush and I knew I wasn't like handing out to the public or something. It's crazy. All right. Well, we want to just give a huge thank to all our listeners for voting the way they did and also for listening to this podcast and ask that you join us again next week for another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey Podcast. Jake? Sure. Be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is happening? Oh, boy. Um, I'm trying to think what Matt usually says here. So... Be sure to uh, be sure to check out our Facebook group. Oh yeah, so check out our Facebook group. Um, it's the uh, the Metal Rock Whiskey Facebook group, and uh, you know, chime in on our weekly polls on you know on this one. Pop in, let us know what uh, what your pick would be for these Soundgarden uh, albums. Um, also, give us a five star rating and review. Be sure to comment on that review so that uh, you know that we can know what you thought about it if if for whatever reason you think that uh that this did not deserve a five-star rating reach out to uh reach out to us on instagram at metal rock whiskey get send us a message and let us know um 
but we do definitely appreciate those reviews. And you can find uh, Matt, <clears throat> excuse me, you can find Matt at the Whiskey Obsessor, save the E on Instagram. You can find me at Bourbon Spartan on Instagram. Ed, how about you? They can find me on Instagram as well at Bourbon Geek. Sailor, how about you? You can find me on the Instagrams of Sailor Retro. Wonderful. And you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash metal rock and whiskey. We'd really appreciate it if you threw a threw a buck or five in the tip jar there to help us keep the show moving along. Uh, but in the meantime, guys, I think uh, I think we're shutting this down. I think we're left it at a good point for the Facebook group for yeah. our listeners to decide how we move forward. It's up to them now. <laughs> it is up to them indeed. But my glass is empty. Be sure to tip your waitress on the way out. Thanks for listening. Fuck you, Lars. Later, everyone.